0: Welcome to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Andrew Knowlton, the restaurant and drinks editor of Bon Appetit. I'll be your substitute host for the day. Our normal host, Adam Rappaport, editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit, is in his helicopter going out to Montauk as we speak, so he couldn't be here today, but um, I'm kidding. He's not. He's making a magazine, as he likes to say. Uh, Anyway, I am joined today by a friend of the magazine, uh, Chef Phil Krychek from Rolf and Daughters in one of my favorite towns in America, Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome, Phil. Thank you, Andrew. You took your helicopter up here to join us. I did. I did. Actually, uh, they brought me in
1: on a Black Hawk. Oh, nice. Pretty nice. Rad.
0: So, Phil, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, two years ago, we named Rolf and Daughters your your restaurant one of the hot 10 restaurants in America in our September 2013 issue. Um, And since then, I think Nashville's kind of had a food revolution. Um, Also, musically, culturally, there's a lot of stuff going on. Give us an update. Like, what's going
1: on in Nashville? How are you guys doing? First off, we're doing amazing. Uh, Nashville overall is exploding. I mean, you know, just physically from development standpoint. If you drive through town, there's... I think I counted the other day, 12 large cranes building tall, like structures. So mostly building hotels, conventions. Yeah, centers, hotels, just... apartments, uh, business developments, right. just really everything. And with that is there's an, you know, an amazing growth in the restaurant scene. Um, we're seeing internal growth, like from within Nashville. So, you know, chefs and restaurateurs that are popping up. And then we're seeing a lot of people coming from other markets, from New York, from Chicago Um, you know, the rumors of all the, if everyone that says they're coming to Nashville shows up, it's going to be amazingly different in a year.
0: In 2016? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, the real reason that we
0: invited you here was not to promote Nashville, your hometown, but was actually talk about summer pastas. Okay. You know a few things about pasta. When we did our feature on the restaurant, it was basically your way with pasta. It was kind of breaking down your process, your hands in the picture. I think we made... Orticetti. Yeah, uh, in Storza the magazine. Patti. But that was one of the things I think l- l- the times I've been um, to Rolf and Daughters is, you know, you've got that special section of pastas. They're all creative, but yes, yet familiar at the same time. How did you get to be a Zen master at pasta?
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know that I could call myself a master. You know, we're, I'm learning every day and we're always trying new things, but I Grew up, my father worked for the government and worked for NATO and in Europe, and we had Italian neighbors on either side of us. And so, when my parents would travel, I would always eat dinner at their homes, and it blew me away to have like premi and Siconi. We'd have multiple pasta courses on a Tuesday school night, and these were all handmade pasta, handmade. Yeah, and I really just fell in love with it. I loved eating it, uh, and then later on in cooking, uh, learning how to make it, and having this like really tangible thing, you know, you take flour and water and convert it into something else and then build a condiment for it. Uh, and I think I really love cooking pasta in a restaurant setting. Working a, a, a pasta station in a in a restaurant kitchen is like working a Waffle House short-order cooking. You know, you're building everything to order, you're cooking noodles to order. Um, you know, you can't, you're not like roasting a meat and resting it and slicing off of it. So there's a lot of action and adjustment and, like, the salt in your tank and then how you're building each dish. And, you know, we're making at Rolf & Daughters 150, 170 pastas every day.
0: So all all the pasta that you serve is all handmade at the restaurant
1: as well? Yeah, yeah, extruded or rolled or hand-shaped. But, yeah, we're making everything in-house. So I'd say, you know, what, 60% of our pastas are fresh, dry pastas, which is to say we extrude them. Uh, through a really fancy water-cooled pasta extruder. of a very expensive machine, right? Yes, indeed, very
0: expensive. And you have the different dyes that, that put out the different shapes. Right,
1: exactly. It seems
0: to be like one of those tools that's becoming bigger and bigger at restaurants and everyone's kind of getting into it. Even if you're going to, I mean, you're not necessarily an Italian restaurant at right. all, but it seems like a lot of restaurants you go to now, everybody has a pasta section. Is, is that purely a financial thing from a, from a restaurant's point of view? Like, it, it, you know,
1: a, a little bit of money goes into that dish, and then you can... Totally. I mean, it's uh, it's like pizza, yeah. you know, to some extent. Um, it's a cheap thing to make. It's and a cheap it, thing to make. It just takes labor. Yeah, yeah. And, and having one of these fancy extruders uh, does a couple things for you. It allows you to, to, to make it in-house, and you have all this control, and you control the flavor and mm-hmm. what kind of flour. And I can buy great flours from Anson Mills and and all over the place. Um, and then it's speed. Cooking a dried pasta is 10, 11 minutes. You know, dep- obviously, it depends on which noodle you're cooking. But you know these extruded pastas that we are doing in-house pick up in four minutes. Right. So it allows us to do everything a minute. And it allows the cooks to have a lot more control.
0: So for the same reason it's easy to do it at restaurants, it's also easy to do it at home. You have a family. Do you yeah. cook a lot at home for them? Yeah, I do. And you I do. do. I, mean, I imagine you do a lot of pastas, or I used to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now uh, you don't even want to look at them, or now, uh, now it's cheeseburgers. No, I, I mean, yeah, I, we'd always cook pasta a lot at home because you know it's it's an easy way to have a really delicious, satiating meal, right? Uh, with you know relatively low effort.
0: So, and there's a lot of good store-bought pastas now, you know, yeah. 20 years ago there was probably one or two brands and now there's, you know, you walk into Italy or, or Whole Foods and you've got every kind of wheat and every shape that you've exactly. never heard of. Do you have a favorite brand, uh, a supermarket brand that you kind of lean towards or? I
1: mean, if I see it, I buy the Rusticella d'Abruzzo okay. pastas. Um, and I think Manicretti is the importer and they're in Whole Foods and Fresh Market and, you know, all the better grocery stores. Okay. Um, so yeah, that would be who I normally buy or DiCecco, you know, I mean, it's, it's really about like what, what's available within the time parameter. Right. Now,
0: um, we talk about a lot about seasonal foods. Do you consider pasta to have a season or is it more about the garnishes is the thing that, that has a season?
1: Yeah, I think the condiments are the the seasonal aspect. So, so
0: condiments, you call anything you put on top of pasta condiments? Con- yeah, because yeah. it's a it's, sauce. You know, it's a about sauce. the noodle.
1: Yeah, it's about the noodle. I mean, you're not in the middle of the summer going to make a big, you know, uh, sugo or like ragu that's really heavy. Um, you know, you want to eat things that are lighter. Uh, I kind of, I mean, one of my favorite dishes, olio you know, explain what that is. So just chilies, garlic, olive oil, you know, at its most fundamental level, a little bit of pasta water in there to emulsify. And that's it. And then you can take that as a building block and go almost any direction you want with it. You know, you can put a little anchovy in there and melt it and then, you know, add eggplant that's been fried or roasted or that's raw. Um, You know, you can put cherry tomatoes in there. Uh, zucchini, squash blossoms. I mean, really, like, any direction. Or you can just leave it to chilies and garlic, and it's one of my favorite ways to eat pasta because it's so beautiful and simple. Simple. Well, let's back it up a
0: minute. You mentioned kind of when you're making a pasta, adding a little bit of pasta water when you're kind of emulsifying a sauce. And for people at home, give me, like, the three kind of pro tips that people need to remember when just making pasta in general. Like, from filling the water up to the minute it hits the table.
1: I mean, I think the water is number one, right? So you want a a larger pot than you think you would need because you want it to recover quickly and go back to a boil. You want to salt it aggressively. How
0: how salty? Because I've heard it should be like the Dead Sea.
1: Uh, Yeah, pretty close. I mean, you really want to push the salt threshold because the noodle itself is completely unseasoned. So the time it spends in the water, the salt penetrates the noodle. And if the water is not seasoned well then it'll taste flat. Okay. So when you toss it in the condiment, everything will kind of taste like it's missing something. And it, and it always just turns out that you just didn't have enough salt in the noodle itself in the water. Okay, so salt the heck
0: out of your water. Right. Because that's something, I, you know, that's a relatively new phenomenon, I think, in the home kitchen is that importance of pasta water. I mean, people have heard it for a long time. We preach it every time we get the opportunity to what i mean you say it's that seasoning but there's uh, there's it's almost like an emulsification that right, takes there, place there's right there's
1: starch in the water right and that starch helps to emulsify a con- your condiment or your sauce it helps it to adhere to the noodle like i think you know growing up as an american my perception of eating spaghetti was a noodle cooked in water that had olive oil in it right so that coats the starch uh and it was it was because it was easier to pick up with tongs and then Spoon a ladle of meatballs on top. Right. Just put the sauce on top. That's right. it. Right. And and what's changing is now at home, people are, you know, because of publications like yourselves and everybody being interested in food are learning about the, how to really cook pasta at home and, and saving the water, using it to emulsify, finishing your pasta in the pan, right? So you're cooking it in the water about 95% and then... When it goes into the sauce or the condiment, finishing it for the last 30, 60 seconds in there with the starchy water, it brings everything together and makes it cohesive.
0: So take me through, my pasta is done boiling um, and I'm making a, a pesto with whatever sure. shape pasta you want. Take me through what you do in the pan, that that other pan
1: to kind of make the pasta and coat everything. How do you... So uh, if, you know, if I'm using pesto, I'm... I've got a, like a, I'm cooking for two people. You know, I think about this in my mind, it's a 10 inch saute pan, stainless steel. The pasta goes in with a couple ounces of the pasta water. I throw in the pesto, Uh which is, you know, fat and herbs or greens or whatever you've made it out of. And I want to really quickly evaporate the pasta water to emulsify the pesto and coat the noodles without changing the flavors too much. You know, you want to keep it fresh. Um, and, you, and you're talking low heat right now? No, I, I do this over high heat. You do it over yeah, high heat. Yeah, okay. I want it to happen very quickly. Okay,
0: so you're tossing for like 30 seconds? Right, or, okay.
1: tossing, and, and a lot of tossing, mm-hmm. actually. Like, so making the pan dance, because that's you know coating it with starch and the sauce and emulsifying it. That motion in the pan is like a whisk in a bowl, making a mayonnaise right. or something I, like that. I think
0: that's the biggest mistake people make when they're making pasta is not getting that, not coating all of the pasta, you know, and, it, right. and or the sauce just doesn't cling and it just all falls to the bottom of, of the bowl. Like that's when I eat at your restaurant and other restaurants, it's like, Wow, this pasta is amazing because everything is just sticking together in in, in, a, in a wonderful way, right. and it has that unctuous kind of.
1: And it's it's honestly it's so much easier in a restaurant kitchen to do these things. The way that I explain picking up this pasta is harder at home because you couldn't do that for twelve people, right? Right, you're not going to have six burners running with uh, multiple baskets cooking pasta, right. so um, it's a little bit more of a challenge. And honestly, I one thing that I think people negate. Uh, For home cooking is baked pasta. You know, it doesn't just have to be uh, lasagna or, Mm -hmm. you know, baked shells, stuffed shells. Uh, You can prep something and and cook it a little bit less, cook the noodle 80% and then add, you know, mushrooms and breadcrumbs and butter and acid and then let it hang out in the counter. And when you're ready to serve dinner, you pop it into the broiler. It's never gotten cold because it's been sitting at room temp. The noodles finish cooking. And you get a contrast of texture. There's crunchy on top, and right. then a little bit overcooked on the bottom. And, and, then, and that's
0: something. Those kind of dishes for summer really travel well too. Because I actually like room room temperature pasta, like you were saying. Yeah, like I do as well. So you helped us a lot with a, a story that was in our March issue, the new rules of pasta, where we kind of we, we were looking at what how restaurants are kind of reinventing. Uh, pasta and putting, I think, a very American spin on it. Sure. And and it's something that you do at the restaurant. But in terms of summer cooking, what are some of those kind of quick things that people can add that they might not think goes? I know we talked about nuts or different kind of breadcrumbs or just those little things that you can do. You're not reinventing the wheel, but...
1: I mean, you know, the the things that I always go to is acidity one, Mm -hmm. you know, so it could be uh, almost raw, barely cooked tomato sauce. That's bright with acid and beautiful seasonal tomatoes. Um, It's a splash of vinegar at the end. It's a squeeze of lemon. And I I like to do those things off heat, especially with lemon, because you don't change the flavor of the lemon. It stays really bright. You're not cooking the lemon. Right. The cooked lemon flavor is very different. It's not as fresh. Um, Chilies, You know, it's... Like dried or fresh, it really doesn't matter. Dried or fresh, yeah. it doesn't matter. And then adding them at different points of the dish. If you start with chilies, you get this sustained heat that's throughout. Uh-huh. And if you add them at the end, like you would the acid, uh, it, it doesn't like homogenize through the dish. So as you're eating it, each bite is different. Uh-huh. And as it sits in the bowl, it's slowly infusing and changing. And you know when you think about eating a dish or constructing a dish that... You're gonna take I don't know more than nine or ten bites of, you want to keep it interesting for your palate, you know, and that's a concept that comes from like high-end fine cuisine, um, and we just apply it to, you know, larger more rustic food. So I think that's you know that's where the new ideas come from, you know, and the the thought of being new pasta is from you know, applying very thoughtful food to something that's been around forever and is very rustic and approachable.
0: Talk about the texture um, that a lot of these new pastas have, whether they're putting papitas or we're saying nuts or
1: kind of doing a new type of breadcrumb, the importance of texture in in, in cooking pasta. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think people are cooking pasta differently because, one, you feel dishonest trying to create something that's authentic that Mm -hmm. you didn't live or... You know, experience, right? And especially as an American, I'm not, I can't speak to Italian authenticity. So right. we make things that are authentic to our, you know, personal experiences. Right. So, yeah, applying uh, texture or substituting ideas. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about nuts in the past or using nut milks, uh-huh. nut cheeses even now. Um, you know, it's playing with what is fat, right? And how can we give something that like luxurious texture without making it f- literally fatty, right? You know, without actual lipids. So finishing a pasta with a nut milk and cooking it down and some pureed nuts to give you that idea of like a rich cream sauce, but it's super lean right. and, and delicious. Th- and that would be nice for summer too if you want to totally. go a
0: little bit light uh, with that. So on that note, what what are your, for the people listening out there, what are your three favorite kind of easy summer pastas.
1: Yeah, so any any sort of market pesto based on what's available, if it's herb-based or if it's even dandelion.
0: Right, or know. kale, you can do
1: anything, right? Yeah, right?
0: kale. What about, I don't know, any seafood, like a shrimp, or I don't know if you have a favorite, like, not fathers uh, really, but... You know,
1: crab crabs in season in the summer, the, the warmer water temperatures, especially, you know, being from Florida, like, so we would... My parents live on the water, and we catch blue crabs in traps... And you go to shallow points with the little net and walk around and just scoop crabs onto a boat. So I mean, the the kind of cla- the new classic pasta of, is yeah, you know, crab and jalapeno and lemon and breadcrumbs. I mean, you can't beat that. I think you know the the other option is just like uh, blistered cherry tomatoes. You know, I think that's just very simple. Just on the grill
0: or on the griddle or whatever. Yeah,
1: I would throw them on a sheet pan and put them under the broiler uh-huh. and give them a good char and then toss them in the dish towards the end so they don't just get massacred and fall apart. And, and you that's hit your natural, that's the natural juices are creating that sauce Exactly. As well. There's caramelization, sugars, there's acidity. It has all the things you need. And I mean, uh, zucchini. You know, it's something that's so plentiful, right? Uh, and it's not necessarily my favorite vegetable. Yeah, I don't se, think anyone. Is... I
0: don't think anyone loves zucchini, right? But <laughs> it,
1: it, it's one of those things that you can add a lot of aggressive flavors to uh-huh. it. So mint and tons of chilies, um, and some crushed nuts—hazelnuts, right. almonds—any of those things to make something that's. Really fast, and it's just grabbing from your pantry. And and what's I always around. feel
0: zucchini goes really well with a hard, kind of sharp cheese, whether it's like a ricotta salata or a halloumi or something that just has a bite to it. Right. And if you really want to like
1: gussy it up, batarga, right. You know, it takes very well to that because it's just like a medium to, you know, project out that saline f- seafood flavor. Right. I guess that's another
0: new classic is, you know, batarga, which is a, a dried usually dried mullet roe right. that you kind of shave on top of various things like you would or reggiano To me, it gives it a, a depth of flavor that, it's, it's hard to get just by grating something on top, you know. It's like, right. where is this coming from?
1: And it's not a flavor that you put with other aggressive flavors, right? You know, you let it stand on its own, and that's why I think you know, zucchini, eggplant, things like that. It's worth having, you know, in your summer.
0: You know, you can grate it on salads, pasta, like right. we said. Um, I love it on just scrambled eggs, just because yeah. of a nice. Yes. It gives it a nice. Um, like I said that deeper flavor so we can't talk about summer pastas without
1: talking about pasta salad. You know I like I like it as a leftover cold <laughs> yeah. but I, I don't know that I've ever had a pasta salad that I loved. Maybe you, I'm should, sorry, Mom. maybe you should reinvent the pasta salad.
0: I mean, how would you, if you set out to do that, what would you, what, what are the, you know, a few things that you
1: would do besides leaving out canned black olives right. to
0: improve a pasta so salad?
1: What I, what I would do, and I, I, I've done it once or twice, um, we did a fregola. Pasta salad. So fragola is a Sardinian. It's almost like couscous, if okay. you will. Uh, it's made from semolina and water, uh-huh. uh, and we make it ourselves with our extruder. Um, and it's fried or and dried out and okay. browned. And so um, you you can cook it in anything you want, salted water. You can cook it in a flavorful stock. Um, what we played around with the idea of we cooked it like a pasta, and then cooled it down in a vinaigrette. So instead of like rinsing it off or right. And losing just laying, the starch, laying it on a sheet tray. Laying it on a sheet tray. Right? But we actually dress it hot. So it kind of sucked in the acid and a little bit of the fat, and it keeps it from sticking together, and you let it cool to room temperature. And then adding confit tomatoes, so tomatoes that have been peeled and cooked down very slowly or evaporated in the oven. Um, some good quality olives. Right. You know, or I think oil-cured olives would be really good in that. And, uh, you know, preserved lemon and... At the end, you just jam it with tons of parsley, and it almost becomes like a tabbouleh at this point that's a little more gussied up, and I think I could live with that.
0: Well, I think that's it, Phil. Thank you so much for stopping by and talking to us about uh, summer pastas. Thank you, man. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for joining us on the Bon Foodcast. I'm Andrew Knowlton, subbing for Adam Rappaport. You can read all about our new rules of pasta on bonavate.com. After all, they all
1: just The Bon Appetit Foodcast is recorded to a digital device in the small conference room on the 36th floor of One World Trade Center in New York City. Our engineer is Mitra Kaboli with production assistance from Bill Cushing and Kerry Polis and is produced by Scott DeSimon. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or at BonAppetit.com.